I do the first slide. Good morning. That first slide up, is that up? I can't see. Not yet. Not yet. All right. Uh, before COVID, uh, we were focusing as staff on uh, what this new generation, this next phase of covenant would be doing. And we have fervent prayer. We talk about fervent prayer. You've seen it everywhere. And Tuesdays, we have a, an intercessory hour-long prayer time. I join wherever I am when I can by phone. And uh, we just pray for God's direction. We didn't want to do anything that you can pull off a shelf, per se, or you, you buy when it comes to these groups and, and ministry. We, we wanted it to be an organic growth from, from who covenant is and where covenant needs to go. And so out of that, and during COVID, this has grown and produced itself, and Pastor Sean and I and staff and others have come together, and we're just going to share with you this morning uh, briefly what's happening. We'll be growing together on our journey of faith through Sunday morning life groups, Acts 242 Bible study groups, and then the 55 Plus Fellowship. There's three opportunities. There'll be Sunday morning, be fellowship 55 plus. That, Gilda will be talking about that, Acts 2.42 Bible studies. We already have some of those. Pastor Sean will be talking about those. But let me talk about Sunday morning life group. This used to be called Sunday school. We're going to call it, it's going to be a life group. And it's going to meet, start meeting at 10.30 when the second service starts. Be done by 11.30. So you don't have to see anyone that's leaving necessarily from the second service. But you'll have to come to the first service probably to get to Sunday school. Right now, that's the way it's going to have to be uh, with, with schedules. And so uh, right now, it's planned to be 60 minutes long. We're going to be using a curriculum that walks through the Bible. Pastoral staff's looking at being the ones that, that teach it. It'll be various ones. But that'll be following the first service. And those life groups function very much in caring for one another and, and outreach and those kinds of things. And so uh, that happens. Uh, Acts 2.42 Bible study groups. Pastor Sean will talk about these next week. And uh, they're small groups, various locations, various places they meet. Uh, we've been observing the church we go to in Alabama. Uh, people meet in the library some of these uh, groups do, different places, uh, homes, and uh, it becomes a good fellowship and a time together. Flex flexibility of topics. And so you, you'll be able to have an, a range of things, and it can multiply on its own as the Lord breathes life into it. You'll be hearing more about that. And then the 55-plus fellowship, Gilda's going to share about it. opportunities for you to um, serve and for you to actually grow spiritually in. Um, sometimes I think we get so focused we forget that we can fellowship and not be guilty about having an enjoyable time together. Uh, but that's truly a way to grow our faith. 55 plus is just that. 
it's for we who have earned retirement <laughs> and we can uh, maybe have a little more time on our hands, free time. And it's a way not only to fellowship with one another, but it's a way to serve others. Um, the constant about it is that, well, the age group is, is constant, <laughs> but the additional part is that we always begin our, our meetings and, and we're not reinventing the wheel here. This is something that um, my pastor in Alabama um, began and we enjoyed it so much, we shared it with Nate and Sean and several others and decided that it would work here. But it's true with anything, it has to be tweaked for your church, your church family, and our church family here. So um, nothing's written in stone. This is a work in progress that we want to build with all of you and your needs. But the way it's structured as, as it goes now is that it's a group of, of 55 plus people who come together um, second Tuesday, I believe, excuse me, second Thursday of the month um, what will stay consistent is that it always opens with a brief devotional or a, a brief testimony, and then it goes into an activity. The activities will change. They'll be seasonal. Um, and we'll do everything from, um, for example, what we've done in Alabama is um, in the spring when everybody's gardens are in, and flowers are blooming, we'll pick flowers out of our own garden and uh, bring them to the church. The church provides the vases, and we'll make arrangements, and we'll take them to shut-ins. Another program that we do is we'll, there'll be a team that cooks and there'll be a team that delivers meals and we'll, same thing, we focus on shut-ins and we'll take the food to them um, with a pre-arranged appointment time and we'll actually sit and eat with them because sometimes if they're single and alone, that'll be the only person they see that day. So we, we take the church to them when they can no longer come to us. Um, other fun things we can do is like honor different celebratory holidays like St. Patrick's and what's the true meaning of that holiday. And um, with WVU right here in our back door, we can have opportunities to have their jazz ensemble or different groups come and speak to us. So it's, it's just an umbrella of ways to have fellowship together, but never lose focus that we're focusing on the Lord and what's our purpose for him that day. So that's pretty much what, what we're doing there. Um, trying to make sure that I've covered everything right quick. And to kick this off, we're meeting at Lucy and Rick Pratt's home next Sunday, a week from today, uh, the 17th. We'll be there at two o'clock. Uh, they ask that you bring a covered dish, lawn chairs, and a fishing pole, because they have access to a, a lake right behind their home. So if you'll do those things, we'll have some good time and good fellowship. They're providing, I believe, the meat, and um, so we'll have a meal together and some good fellowship time together. Thank you. Thank I look you. forward to it. Thanks. Yeah. Watch the edge. <laughs> yeah, we had a, a National Biscuit Week at 55 plus in Alabama. <clears throat> and it only lasts about an hour and a half. We, we uh, church provided biscuits and we all brought our own jelly. That was National Biscuit Week, you know, and St. Patrick's Day, you do whatever. Uh, and, and so it's just a good time of fel it's fellowship and connecting and uh, people outside of Covenant, 55 plus, certainly will be welcome. And it, it'll vary. Some overnight trips are, will be planned as well and uh, uh, little bus trips and all day stuff here in West Virginia. So much is seen in West Virginia. So we'll... It should be an exciting time. Well, 
I'm able to bring to you the message today, and I'm going to start a sermon series on uh, Moses, Exodus 3 and 4. And for the next four or five times that I preach, I'm going to be preaching out of uh, uh, Exodus 3 and 4 as, as Pastor Nathan's preaching out of Zechariah. And so we'll kind of combine those up. And of course, when I preach, it varies when I'm here and what the needs are. But that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to be working on, on things with Moses. So I'm going to just read the uh, first four verses, uh, or six verses, and then we'll pray. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why did the bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, let me just throw this note in there. I think maybe that bush had been burning for weeks and he hadn't noticed it. Just a thought. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he's afraid to look at God. Lord, we pray that you illuminate this word to us. You'll anoint this actual series to bring about those things that you want us to learn and to have insights for that will bring glory and honor to you in our lives and in our witness. Illuminate today this word and grant us power to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> what would you like to be or do for God if there's nothing hindering you? What is it? Can you just think for a moment? What, what would I really want to be doing? And then you've got to ask a question. We ask that, well, what keeps me from using my potential for God? And the answer is always excuses. It's always an excuse. Moses is our example. You know, we say, all others can do it better, or I don't have the skill set for that, or I've tried and I've failed in the past, and and all these excuses, and the devil just tries to keep us crippled and unfruitful in the kingdom of God, tries to keep you from experiencing the abundance of life. And so we're going to look at Moses. Some of the examples are these. The great American poet Carl Sandburg flunked English. The great inventor Thomas Edison did not do well in school either. His teachers thought he was stupid. Einstein could not speak until he was four and did not read until he was seven. Beethoven's music teacher said, as a composer, you're hopeless. <laughs> F.W. Woolworth, now you younger ones won't know that, let me just say Walmart, couldn't get a job. Other merchants said he didn't have enough sense to wait on customers. Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor who said Disney didn't have any good ideas. Caruso was told by a voice coach, you can't sing, you have no voice at all. 
An editor told Louisa May Alcott she was not capable of writing anything that would appeal to a popular audience. They were all wrong. And if someone has told you that you are a nobody and you can't be used by God, they're wrong. The devil's been lying to you that you're washed up and useless and all that's happened to you, you can't do anything more. That's a lie. Look at Moses. He had power and influence, and then he killed an Egyptian in a rage of temper. He went from power in Egypt to a desolate mountain in the desert leading sheep. Just, just a little reminder. We'll be going over more of that in the weeks ahead. <clears throat> Dwight L. Moody had a great quote. Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. He spent 40 years learning he was a nobody. And Moses spent 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. I think that's a great quote. There's times in our lives that, and God in his providence, and we're going to see God's providential hand working in Moses' life in these weeks ahead, in preparation for this work. He had to come to the end of himself. He needed a reference point outside himself. And, uh, and he learned that in the desert. So let, let's set the context of the story here. God appears, God appears always in the ordinary to perform the extraordinary. That's the context of this. He's just doing what he does. And suddenly there's a burning bush. When God has to get our attention, to, uh, he takes whatever it is. I, like I mentioned, I think that bush was burning for weeks. How many things are we doing in a routine time after time and God's trying to get our attention? He has a burning bush of the presence of the Lord to be with you. I was riding in my truck out uh, uh, Halleck Road and I had a burning bush. Not my truck caught on fire. But suddenly the presence of the Lord just filled that cab. Now, I'm not sure that can happen in a Chevy or GMC or Dodge. <laughs> but fill the presence of that cab. I almost stopped, but you don't stop on Halleck Road. But the presence of God, I had a burning bush inside the cab of my truck this week. And God's speaking to me and his holy presence. And so in the routine of life, God wants to intervene and speak to us. When God is present, the ground you're standing on is holy. And listen, any old ground is holy when God's there. It doesn't matter where it is. It might be at your kitchen sink. It might be in the barn. It might be on the golf course. God is holy when God speaks. And he knows what is happening in your life. He knows for Moses, that they've grown from three and a half in three and a half centuries from 70 Jews to 2.5 million, and that God will deliver his people, Moses finds out. So let's look and see what Moses says. He saw the burning bush. God said who he was. Now look at verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses had a confidence problem. You ever had a confidence problem? And you say, who am I? And the devil loves to keep you at that point. He loves to keep you questioning yourself. 
Who am I? Moses had a confidence problem because God had told him what he was to do. And so God gave him a promise in verse 12. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. He says, I'm going to bring you right back to where I spoke to you. I'm going to bring, deliver the people. I'm going to bring them back here. What came there? The Ten Commandments and all, everything else that happened. He said, Moses, I'm the one that's doing this. Oh, okay. Well, Moses wasn't done. Verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? He had a content problem. How am, I going to, how am I going to get this done? How am I going to be fruitful in the kingdom? How am I going to fulfill what God wants me to do? Even if you say you'll be with me, what's the content of that? What does that look like when God begins to work in your life? So God gave him a plan Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. <laughs> I'm all that there is. I'm everything, the Alpha and the Omega. I'm, nothing can happen that I'm not aware of. Nothing can overpower me. Nothing can change me. Nothing can undo those things that I want done. I am that I am. I am full with, and I need nobody else. I'm the only resource you need, Moses, and I'm with you. Sometimes you just got to stop in the midst of life and say, Lord, I thank you that you told Moses I am that I am because I'm nothing and I need all of you to get through this and who you are. And so he, he continues here. <clears throat> Let me see. I, he will go bring the Pharaoh... I lost my place here. Verse, verse 15 says, And God said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Every time I read that, I think of Jack Poley. Any of you knew? He always said and would always pray in, in that way. And why did he do that? Why, why, do you ever think why he did that? He just picked that up one day? No, I'll tell you what it meant to Jack Poling. It meant just what it, it meant to, he's saying to Moses. God is saying, Moses, look at the past. I've been in your past. I've been intervening in your past. I've got the world in my hand, and all the promises that I've promised are happening. I am the God of your fathers. I am the God of history. I am your God, and we are his people. God makes a difference. Where there's something lacking, he'll pick up the task. Well, he, so he says, who am I? What can I say? And then what if they don't listen? Moses had a credibility problem in 4.1. Moses said, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. You know, the devil likes to whisper to that you. Once you start hearing from the Lord, you start walking with the Lord, and Paul talks about that angel of light, 
and uh, will come and say, oh, you're not hearing right. Or put, try to put fear in you so that you don't take the next step. And, and so uh, what if they won't listen? What if it doesn't happen? Then the Lord, <clears throat> then the Lord said to him, Here, what's in your hand? And the staff, he replied, and the Lord said, throw it to the ground. He threw it to the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said, I would run too. Then, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now that's big. Mm, I don't always take a snake by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Then said the Lord, is so that you may believe that the Lord your God of your father, see that phrase again, God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, a God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. <clears throat> so God gave him that, and then God gave him power. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and he took it out, and it was leprous like snow. Now that was the, the, the disease of all diseases. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and then he took it out, and it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to this first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, Take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So God's going to give him power. What's Acts 1 8 says? But you shall receive power when the Spirit of God comes upon you. And you're going to be my instrument and my tool, glorifying me to the nations. That's who we are. He's the, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, He's our Father. Some of you had godly fathers and can remember what God did and intervened. I remember things in my own life where God intervened. Remember back how God first came to you in his mighty grace and power that changed your life and changed your family. He's that same God today, and he wants to take hold of your life and use it. That same power is there. And then he says... <clears throat> Well, God, that's all right, but I have a handicap. I stutter, which we think it may have been the handicap. And so in verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, O oh Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I just really don't have it to communicate. And the Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? <laughs> I love that phrase. Ah, uh, you did. Who makes him deaf or mute? You do. Who gives him sight or makes him blind? You do. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God says, I'm in charge of everything. The way you're created, what you do, what you say. But then Moses says, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Now that's, that's a red flag. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. 
I mean, all that he's saying, every excuse Moses has, God is saying, I myself, I am that I am. I'm going to give you content. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you favor. I'm going to guide your journey. When you come and give your life to Christ and respond to his grace, God promises to be with you all of your life. Now, sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we get off the journey, really mess it up bad. But God's grace is there to pull us back, and he forgives, and he sets you on a new, fresh course. And when he, it's grace alone. You and I couldn't respond if God didn't speak to us through his grace. We are dead, dead because of sin. A twisted nature that's anti-God, doesn't want God, doesn't respond to God. God, by his grace, tackles us, intervenes in our life, and thereby gives us a choice, and he, 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 you hunger for him, and he enables you to make, come forward for prayer, to ask for prayer, and you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, for he was in Christ and reconciled the world to himself. If God himself took our sin and the sins of the whole world and raised Jesus from the dead, why are you making excuses to him about how to walk with him, how to minister and to carry out his mission to the world. This world's going to end. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And for some of us, before he comes back, the breath in our physical body is going to stop. But he's Lord of all. Now, if all of this we know in this book, who we, who we all claim to know, then why do we delay? in yielding to him in every way. Why do we doubt him? Don't let the devil sow doubt and fear. And he's here to steal and destroy what God's given you. And you need to stand up and take hold of what God has. So the Lord's anger burned against Moses. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's a talker. That's the Hebrew. He's a good talker. He is already on his way to meet you. Now listen to this. Did God already know? We'll come back to providence. He's already traveling. You know how far the travel is? He's already on his way because God knew Moses was going to need a companion to help him get through this time. He knew he stuttered. He knew he wasn't, lacked a little confidence there. You know, there's things I can do well and things I can't do well. Nobody is fully competent in themselves in all skill sets. That's why it's a teamwork. That's why it's the body of Christ that comes together. That's why we're going to have these life groups where we support one another and each with, a, with their particular gifts and calling and design and welcoming people to come and be part so that it, it, it's a burst of fervent prayer in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants. He's on his way, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help you both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and he will be as if you were his, you were his mouth, as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the miraculous signs with it. God says, 
we don't have a staff to take. You know what we have? The name of Jesus. In my name, cast out demons. In my name, lay hands on the sick. In my name, feed the poor, care for the widows, care for the orphans. That's our staff. And the staff, his name is his character. His character doesn't change. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and he's our God too. Some quick observations. Stewardship of your, your life is utilizing God's, God's God-given abilities. You have, everyone has an ability. Everyone has a gifting. Everyone has a calling. You know, may not be called to Myanmar or called to preach like Pastor Nathan and Pastor Sean, but you'll be his hands and feet in the way he's designed you to be, and that's what you want to do. God's give, God, so the stewardship of your life is utilizing God-given abilities to manage God-given resources. So I'm going to manage those things that God has given me to get the most fruit. I'm going to open my heart and my mind. I'm going to say, Lord, I know I can't do that. It scares me to death, but you are my source. If you want that, open that door. And then stewardship of your life is utilizing God's given abilities, managing God-given resources to accomplish God-ordained results. <clears throat> Past failures can cause us to be hesitant about doing the, will, the work of the Lord. Past failures should cause us to see our own weakness and rely on God. Failures are all right. Did you know that? Because in the midst of a failure, if you, before God, you see your weakness and you'll rely on him and you'll be stronger in that area. You see, you can't fall and sin to a point where God can't reach down and say, man, that was stupid, mistake, sinful, bad, but I love you, let's straighten that up. <laughs> yeah. God never calls us to any task that we can perform acceptably without him. I hate that when I learned that, because I just wanted to do it. <laughs> I'm more task-oriented. But he never gives us a task that we can do without him coming alongside. That's what Moses had to learn. God wants to solve our problems and then we move forward in trusting him. That's what we want. We want, God, you, you solve my problems, then I'll move forward in them. God says, no, you take my hand, you'll feel my presence, and we'll walk together and solve that problem. Together, we'll do that. <clears throat> the truth is, it's not how much you have, but the sacrifice you make in becoming sold out to God. Sold out to his purposes for you. you would you say, well, Lord, it's like the tithing, you know, 10% the Lord's, and actually he owns it all. 90% we, we say we can keep and use, but then... It's his if he wants that. But can you imagine just saying, well, Lord, I'm going to just give you 10% this week. Is that okay? And we'll walk together and we'll be cool and I'll be in church 
And I'll listen to my Christian music. Oh, okay, I'll I'll put the 20% for next week. Is that the way you live by percentages of how close you're going to walk with God each week? Man, you're lo- let me say it in a popular way, you're a loser. And I say that in the sense that you're losing all God has for you, the best he has for you, and to yield to him to 100%. Serving God and being a good steward of life has nothing to do with your possessions, but everything to do with your love. If you love him, you can trust him. And I pray he'll renew our love. And so we come up with all of these excuses Moses had. If anyone could be used, look at Moses, a murderer. High in Pharaoh's court, had it made. IRAs paid up. His retirement plan was solid. He had position. He had admiration. Forty years and he lost that. Where's he in a desert with smelly sheep? Alone. Are you feel alone? What I pray for you is that what happened to Moses will happen to you. God will give you a burning bush. It'll be such a burning bush that you'll hear God call your name. And when you hear him call your name, you're going to realize this is holy ground, and you're going to bow your head and your heart and say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want to do your will. Now, how important is this? Billy Slusher's with the Lord. I won't be here for her uh, memorial service. But Bond and Billy, some of you, most of you know them. I call them the Aquila and Priscilla of Covenant. In the book of Acts, They changed it and started calling it Priscilla and Aquila instead of Aquila and Priscilla. Usually the male was first and the female second. Bond and Billy were like that. Sometimes Bond was leading and starting something. Sometimes Priscilla, Billy, was starting and leading something. And I remember when they came to the Lord, they had known the gospel but had strayed and renewed that they were 100% in whichever direction that we could go. Billy Slusher was our first woman on the board of stewards of Covenant. She's the one, she and Bond started the food that we give away in their basement while we were in the Ramada Inn. They were part of the genius behind when we brought food and stacked boxes in the Ramada Inn, clear up, or not the Ramada, here, we got here as a thank you to the community. It was up as high as the register and out here. And we took those <clears throat> boxes of food with Bibles of downtown, courthouse square, parked it, had a permit, and started handing those boxes of food out to people and the homeless carried them down under the bridge. TV people came and said, why are you doing this? We said, you know, we're just grateful to the community for supporting us, grateful to God for what he's done in our lives and the church. We just want to give away to the community. 
today. We prayed with people. Now, Bond and Billy, Priscilla and Aquila were a large part of all of that. And, and there were times it was beyond what they could think and do. And together we were a team with the rest of those that served during those days. And I could name them, all oaks of righteousness. It was in those settings where God spoke so clearly on feed my lambs and I'll build the church. It was in those meetings in which we couldn't even conduct the meeting anymore because of the presence of God. The burning bush was in the middle of the table of the meeting. And we just bowed before him. It was in one of those meetings that a burden came upon that us that uh, we needed to reach college students. The next day, six or seven college students showed up at the warehouse. Eventually, we had a Sunday school class in the bus for them, and Prince Shastri taught the college students. It was because people responded and said, no, I don't think we can do that, but with you, Lord, if that's what you want, we'll go, and we walked, not knowing where we were going, but that he was there. That, that's what Moses learned. So you're, you're sowing, you're leaving something behind for us. I've probably shared this before. I'll share it again in closing. My grandfather, Alan, was planting an apple tree. <clears throat> and we lived on a dirt road, had to walk half a mile or so to catch the bus. You either went down the hill or you went up the hill. And the buses went up on the ridge and they went down below. And snow or whatever, you know, toes frozen. But we always had a habit when we would walk back by grandpa and grandma's and we were down and another uncle down there. You know how that is in West Virginia. You always stopped in to see grandpa and grandma. Go see grandma and grab a cookie, whatever she was doing, piece of mince pie. Your grandmother, David, used to make me mince pies. And uh, so I went down, he was planting an apple tree. <clears throat> So I asked him how long it would take for that tree to bear fruit, and he told me how many years, and thus and thus. And, and I said, Grandpa, why are you planting that tree? He stopped, and he looked at me, and then he used Edward. I thought, oh, my goodness. He's 80-some years old, and he knew what I was really saying. I was really saying... You probably won't be alive to eat those apples, Grandpa. Why are you planting the tree? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. He answered me, I want to leave something for you to have after I'm dead and gone, Edward Wayne. And that's what we want to do, isn't it? I mean, we can pass down houses and property and bank accounts, and, and that's all right. But the most important thing is leaving a, a legacy of where there's a spiritual food and a table set. <clears throat> Some of you remember Melvin Friend, the chapel's named after him. Melvin stood with me. Uh, we wouldn't have had covenant without Mel Melvin standing there. <clears throat> but what he said to me in asking me to help to plant the church, he said, I'm not concerned about me. Nothing's going to change me and what I believe. And he stomped his foot. If you knew Melvin. 
but I'm concerned about my kids and my grandkids. We were Methodist. And he says, I'm not sure that I want a place in a Methodist tradition where the Bible's preached, where they can be fed, where they can be cared for. I want you all to stay. Because we had lots of other options going on. But that spoke to me. And so what you have is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He has spoken through all these years to you. And now, in this century, he's calling you to do things that are new and fresh. DNA of covenant, but new and fresh and a fresh look. And a great young pastor. Oh, he's over 40 now already. It's great days ahead. But God will use you to do it, and I don't want you to miss out in his abundance. <clears throat> so today, if you want to come forward, you can for prayer and, and, and just solidify. <clears throat> but I want to pray for you with every head bowed and eye closed. And you'll say, Pastor Ed, yes, this word spoken to me today. I need some freshness. I need something. You don't need to tell me. He knows. Would you just lift your hand before I pray? Say, Lord, remember me. Remember me in this prayer. It's good. Good. God bless you. He sees those hands. He sees your heart more than that. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the story of Moses. We pray now, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts. You will renew us. Rescue those, Lord, that's been trapped by the enemy and maybe be some wrong choices and let them know now in Jesus' name they're free. Put light on their path that it's a new path, a new day. Everything's not lost, but there's fresh fruit and a fresh ministry and good life to come. We ask your blessing, Lord, upon covenant and, and uh, this new phase as we're going to, as we hear from Zechariah and hear Moses and <clears throat> the life groups and these things. But Lord, your presence we need. And we pray you'll bring people from the north, the south, and east and west that you've called us to minister to and to be part of. In Jesus' name, amen. Did we have a closing song today? Here's the mark. Last pastor.